0: We're going to roll into the conclusion of our month-long look through what the Bible says about the miraculous and uh, just kind of framing things up. The tension for me is a Bible filled with miracles, follow Jesus around in the Gospels, miracles happening all over the place. Look at the early church in the book of Acts, miracles happening all over the place, and then we get to um, we get to our modern day context, and it just seems like that kind of thing doesn't happen very often. In fact, my friend Ron Eastwood sent me an article this past week talking about a, just kind of a vacuum in America in particular, uh, so many people just kind of walking away from faith, and one of the reasons cited is just the absence of miracles, it's like a... God just doesn't seem to be doing anything. Now, a handful of you, and actually it's been more than a handful, have reminded me throughout this month that many of the things we take for granted would have been seen as the miraculous in Jesus' day and time. I mean, think about penicillin in any given region probably heals more people in a week than the miracles that are recorded in the whole New Testament. Um, Think of like a a cell phone phone. Calling 911, bouncing on a satellite, you know, through like outer space. Just things that people couldn't have fathomed 2,000 years ago. And so, man, there are greater things happening. And, and that's, you know what, that, that's true. Advances in medicine and science and things like that certainly would have been seen as miraculous. At the same time, right now, they're explainable. What I'm talking about is I want to be able to take, you know, Mark and Larry and Larry, our elders, and head over to the child oncology ward at Rainbow Babies and, and just start in the name of Jesus and wipe out the floor. You know, I want the medical industry to collapse and big pharmacy to collapse because we're just like handing out miracles in Jesus' name. Like that's what I want to see, and yet I don't really see any of that, if I'm honest. So what's the deal? And we've talked about some of the Bible like buzzwords. Um, We talked about faith and how the Bible says faith is a part of the miraculous. Talked about gifting in um, 1 Corinthians 12 and how that's a part of the miraculous. And then last week we talked about consecration, the idea of living a life that is set apart in purity for God and how that's a part of the miraculous. So we're going to close up today talking about authority. Because authority is a a Bible miracle buzzword, the idea of having the authority by God to suspend the laws of the universe, having authority to do miracles, to do things that only God can do. And so as we um, talk about authority, I'm going to ask my friend Rob Swanson to come up and join me up here for a couple quick questions respect his authority. Um, so Rob, tell us about your family and what you do for a living.
1: Um, as many of you know, I'm married to Tamara. That's my wife. We've been married for 19 years now. I have an 11-year-old daughter, Lena. She just walked out of here and asked me not to embarrass her. She was here to censor me for the last one, but she's not here now, so I can do that. Um, and I also have 8-year-old daughter, uh, Shay. They're my then-
0: future daughter-in-laws.
1: No, that's not going to happen. not going to happen. But uh, I'm a police officer. I've been a police officer for 20 years now. Um, I'm in Middleburg Heights. The last six years, I've been the detective lieutenant in charge of our detective bureau.
0: Okay. So talk about, like, what special authority as a police officer, like, you, you have a badge, you have authority. What special authority do you have, and what are the limitations of that authority?
1: Um, as a police officer, we have the power to arrest, obviously, I mean, everyone de- knows that, um, execute search warrants, but uh, primarily the one authority we have, like, most people don't realize that as an Ohio resident, you can make felony arrests if there's a felony that's been committed, and you have reason to believe who did it, you could even do that, but I would not recommend it, but it's, it's still on the books. But uh, we can arrest for misdemeanors and uh, lower-level crimes, traffic offenses, Things like that.
0: So you can step in and represent the law and take care of business
1: that 's what we do
0: and um, how do you gain so talk about like levels of authority within the police department and how you would move up or down the ladder well,
1: well, first, just to become a police officer in Middleburg Heights, for example, you have to have a four year degree. Um, it has to be in criminology or uh, law enforcement related field' it's specific. Um, then you take a competitive exam. And if you pass that exam, then there's an oral, uh, you have an oral interview. And once you're hired, then you have to go back to school. You go back to school for about another six months uh, to the police academy to get your basic certification. Then once you do that, you come back to the department and you're about another, I think it's 15 or 16 weeks of field training officer pro just to become a uh, basic patrolman. Once you do that, once you, it's, I believe it's three years in between ranks, you can start taking competitive examinations for promotions. Um, It's, again, written examination, and then what you do is more oral interviews. They have exercises called inboxes where they give you memos and things where you have to try to prioritize to show that you have that capability. And same, like, up through the ranks, you know, between sergeant. Then again, for lieutenant, you have to go through that whole process again.
0: So you have to demonstrate over the course of years that you know what you're doing, that you're all in, ethics things like that to gain authority yes and then you could lose that authority yeah very quickly and that what
1: what how well by uh, say you violate somebody's constitutional rights you might you might lose your job you could go to jail you could go to prison i mean there's a lot of things that could happen
0: okay so in the same way i did in the first service Let's just say, and obviously this is a little bit of a silly question, but sets me up for later. Let's say that your boss began to suspect that you were only fifty, sixty percent committed to protecting and serving. Or you said, "You know what? I'm like sixty-five percent. I'm seventy percent committed to this
1: thing." That wouldn't happen. My, yeah, my uh, my boss, the chief I work for, he's been there for forty-four years since he, right after he got out of Vietnam. He's old school. He would probably wouldn't even get a chance to sit down. He'd probably throw you right out of the office. So, as you said. 60% committed means you're 100%, 100% without done. authority. Done. Done.
0: Yeah. yeah well, done. thank you, Rob. Appreciate it. And um, we absolutely appreciate what you do to protect us. So it, it's a big deal, and we appreciate it. All right. So um, we are, uh, as we talk about authority, a couple quick things take away from, from that. Number one authority is you having the right to stand in on behalf of someone. So as we talk about biblical authority, we're talking about you having the right to stand in on behalf of God. So when we talk about authority for the miraculous, God is giving somebody the authority to stand in for them and do things that only he could do on behalf of him. The second takeaway is authority comes... It, it, it's generally not given um, arbitrarily or I guess the word is generally. It's given specific to a mission. So there's a framework. You have authority for this framework. I'll give you an example. when A babysitter, like let's say uh, Craig Campbell, Matt Beck, both those guys. Uh, you have no idea what I'm going to say, do you? They're babysitters for the Poindexter's. And so we have them over, and they have authority to stand in for us while we're gone. With the mission, keep the kids safe in the house standing, right? That's the mission, and and while you're on that mission, you have authority to to do this kind of a thing. So, So that's the idea of biblical authority. Stand in for God to fulfill a specific mission. So let's look at how this lays out in the Bible. Here's our first um, passage. And actually, that's Matthew 10. Luke 10, I, I made a mistake. Luke 10 is Jesus sending out the 72 disciples with um, similar language, but this is actually from Matthew 10. It's so a typo on my part. <clears throat> and Jesus called to him his 12 disciples, and he gave them authority. He gave them a badge. Not really, but over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. So that's, that's verse 1, chapter 10. He gave them authority. And that authority was the right to stand in on his behalf and do things that only he could do. Proclaim as you go. Now here's the mission. Proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons so the idea is jesus is saying you go out ahead of me you go out ahead of me and while i'm not there you be me and as you go to these cities ahead of me your mission is to tell people about god's kingdom and as you do that then, as you say, you know, Jesus is here now. The Messiah is here now. God has come to earth. God's way of life is here. Then you have authority, as you're on my mission, to do things that only I could do. That's Jesus talking. So, let's go back to um, the idea of, of of the babysitter. You hire a babysitter and you give them authority to stand in on your behalf with the mission of keep the kids safe and the house standing. Your first couple times with a new babysitter, you probably have quite the list, right? They can do this and this and this. They can't do This and this and this and this and this and this and this, and bedtime is no later than this. And don't let them try to say this because they can't do that. And you know, you're trying to anticipate everything, they have a very limited scope of authority. But then, once you demonstrate, once the babysitter demonstrates that they really are committed to the cause, then you may increase their decision making authority and until they've demonstrated that you're not going to give much leeway in terms of authority it's going to be very 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 specific and let's be honest if your babysitter tells you yeah I'm about 70 percent committed to keeping your kids safe I'm about 70 percent on this mission you're probably canceling your plans because you don't want a babysitter that's 70 percent committed to keeping your kids safe in your house standing right okay So let's look at how this idea kind of played out in Scripture of authority varying based on commitment to the mission. And then we'll try to bring this all together and and apply it to everyday life. So in Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 19 is a really um, fascinating chapter as Paul goes through Ephesus, okay? Here's what it says. And, and again, you know, I have a, a pretty high view of Scripture, so we're just going to believe that this actually happened and then think about taking this in real time. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. For those of you new to the Bible, Paul's an apostle. You see him in stained glass windows all over the world. He wrote much of the New Testament, and he, was, he devoted his whole life, to starting churches in, throughout the known world, throughout the Roman Empire, where there was no Jesus, where there were no churches, okay? And so this is uh, Acts, most of Acts is like giving you details of him spreading the church, or at least the second half of Acts. God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched his skin, were cari- they were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them And evil spirits came out of them. So Paul was on mission, going to new places, starting churches everywhere. And as he did that, it's pretty obvious that he had a lot of authority from God. Demons were obedient to his commands. And apparently used handkerchiefs also could be used to cast out demons. He was so powerful. He had so much authority. He could put his hands on sick people, and they would raise from the dead. He had all kinds of authority as he went about God's mission. Now, we're going to see the flip side of this. Same chapter. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists, that's traveling Jewish exorcists. Apparently that was a job back then undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you, or I'm speaking to you on behalf of Jesus, whom Paul proclaims. So they see Paul using the name of Jesus, and things happening. They see his authority. But they don't understand the source of his authority, and they try to just use that verbiage like a magic spell. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva... They're doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know. Paul, I recognize. But who are you? Now you can imagine what it must have been like. They're invoking the name of Jesus and dudes like head spins around and says, Who are you? Now they know they got a problem because they don't have authority. They have the verbiage, but they don't have the authority. Then the man in whom was the evil spirit, the the, the guy that had the evil spirit, leapt on them, mastered all of them, overpowered them, and they fled out of the house naked and wounded, or naked and bleeding. So this was a beatdown. This guy jumped on them, apparently ripped all their clothes, beat them up, and they ran out of the house naked. Okay, That's a humiliating thing. Now, same language, same chapter, same kind of context, but what was the difference? Paul was on mission for Jesus, and so he had authority. God gave him authority because he was on his mission. These other guys were like ghost hunters. They were spiritual thrill seekers looking for adventure trying to use the things that they saw worked for Paul, but they didn't have the authority. Now, that's probably not all that you know, relevant to our life because we're probably not going to be traveling around invoking the name of Jesus, casting out demons this week at work. But the concept here is, is really important because it speaks to alignment. alignment. We really can't be that frustrated by the lack of miraculous in our life if we're not completely aligned. Like Rob said, he didn't just go into the Middleburg Heights police station one day and say, Yeah, I need a badge and a gun because my neighbors are playing their stereo too loud. He had to go for years, study, train, prove his faithfulness to the mission, and maintain that faithfulness. And then he's given authority. And more and more and more. Jesus says God's kingdom works the same way. So, this is Luke 19. And Jesus is uh, giving us a story that talks about God appointing authority within his kingdom. So this is a symbolic authority. And the God figure in this story or this parable is a man who's going off to a far land to be made king. And he entrusts people with money, and he's looking for who is faithful. It says, after he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants to whom he had given money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made ten times the original amount. It's pretty faithful, Right? Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You've been faithful with the little I entrusted you with. So you will be governor of ten cities as your reward. So what Jesus seems to say here is, the king rewards faithfulness in small things with authority. So the model is, first we demonstrate our buy-in to God's mission and his way of life. And then he rewards with authority. We can't begin to complain about the lack of miraculous activity in our life if we aren't demonstrating wholehearted buy-in to the mission and values and lifestyle of Jesus. Let's talk about his mission. If we ever want to see the miraculous in our life, we're going to have to have some authority. And if we want authority, we're going to have to demonstrate that we're on mission. And if we want to be on mission, we have to understand what it, what it is. I, I would hate to see the test results. <coughs> if everyone in America... Was asked, who says they're a Christian who checks the box on the census, what is God's mission? Because my guess is that there are shockingly few Christians who could articulate it. Okay, but Jesus tells us exactly in Matthew 28 what the mission he entrusts us with is. Jesus came to his disciples and he says, I have been given all authority. In heaven and on earth, I'm the boss. I'm the head guy who's in charge. I can do anything. That's what Jesus says. Because of this, or therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So seeing that they cross the line of faith, and teach these new disciples to obey all that I command, all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So if authority comes from mission, Jesus tells you and me very clearly, anybody looking for what God wants them to do with their life, it starts here. There's the mission. Help people connect with Jesus, which implies you yourself have done the thing. So you've been baptized, you've crossed the line of faith, you're learning to live like Jesus, that's first, and then you're helping people make the decisions and do the things that you have learned to do. That's the mission. And if we're not committed to the mission, we can't begin to question the miraculous in our life. So that's the first question for us to ask, if we have any frustration with God's lack of involvement, supernatural in our life, how committed are you to the mission? Because if we look at our life and see that we're 40 or 50 or 60 percent committed to making disciples, like if we really if we really were submitted like to some kind of a judging system where people looked at our life or somebody looked at our life and, and, and with a check down and come up with a percentage level commitment, what is it? How committed are you to making disciples? How committed are you to the mission? And if it's not 100, if it's not 90, if it's not a whole heck of a lot, how could we begin to expect that there's any kind of authority in our life to stand in on behalf of God? So the thing number one for us to do is look at our side of the street. And you don't have to be a pastor to be committed to making disciples. In fact, God probably would rather pastors not even be the medium for that. Because you're a whole lot more effective. You're in a much better place to actually make disciples because you're relevant with a real job. Or you're relevant with a real house to take care of and a real playgroup. You have real lives. At your work. Praying for people who might be far from God. Praying for people who have spiritual needs. Engaging in conversations about what God is doing in your life. And if that can't happen at work, then inviting to lunch. Inviting to dinner. Making a real effort because that's the mission. In the neighborhood... Connecting on deep levels with people that live by you, sharing life, praying for them, having conversations that turn spiritual about what God is doing in your life, about how far you've gotten, invites to churches, students at school, where in theory there is no God, you taking God and you doing something with the people, with the kids around you, praying for them talking about what God is doing in your life, inviting to SMT. Are you committed to the mission? And that's the first thing to ask. And my guess is, honestly, and and if, if any of us are frustrated by God's lack of miraculous activity, probably the first thing he would do that would shut us up real quick is say, how committed are you to the mission? And then he can give plenty of examples, and we would probably be real silent real quick. Because the truth is, when we start to demonstrate that we're committed to the mission, rarely do we lack stories to tell of how God intervened in ways that only God could. The second thing that I just, you know, just there's some things that I wrote down at Panera this morning that just kind of flowed out of, of all this um, is, is as, I've, as I've just worked through all this in my own mind and, you know, in my own journal and things like that, I, I realize that a lot of times God's mission is just different than our mission. Like, I would be content, honestly, deep down. Like, I really wouldn't, but I kind of would, and I think a lot of us would, if, 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 if we were just all safe. Like, if we all just had what we needed, and everybody was just healthy, and, and we were all okay. Like, that's really a, a lot of our, our, our real mission in life, is, is, is just to be okay. God, can, could you just do some miracles and make us all just okay? But what God wants is faith. This is the age of faith. And what God is looking for is for people who believe. People who believe even though they don't see. And if we were all just okay and God just did miracles after miracles to make us all okay, and there was no pain or no hardship in this world as it is, we probably wouldn't be interested in God, and we would probably just all be a bunch of spoiled brats who couldn't endure anything. Our mission just isn't the same as God. God wants spiritual toughness and faith. And we just want everything to be okay. And and my guess is like God doesn't want to spend eternity with a bunch of spoiled brats. So I think our mission is just different sometimes than God's mission. To see us choose him in faith in the midst of pain and to see us help other people choose him in the midst of pain. (laughs) And then one last thought is that we, we can go a long way like we probably can't complain about miracles until we've exhausted what we can do to help people physically and spiritually now, apart from a break in the supernatural. We can go a long way to use our resources and our skills and our prayers and our words to help people get through their physical issues and their spiritual issues. And until we've exhausted and gone all in with that in our own life, it's hard for us to complain about the lack of the miraculous. Like, I could think, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want that fixed? Have you done everything you can do to make it as fixed as you can possibly make it? We can go a long way to redeem the world apart from the supernatural. Let's get our side of the street cleaned first. All right, we're going to wrap up with, with one last song. I hope you have some, some food for thought there. I wish I had, like, the magic bullet that's like, oh, there it is, that's it, tension gone. I don't. But there's plenty of things for us to work on. During this song, I hope your heart can connect with the message that Jesus really does have all authority in heaven and on earth, and God really can do anything. And our job is to believe even though we can't see everything. Our job is to pray like and live like we can make a difference because we're connected with the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. Our job is to believe like we know the one who can do anything. And to pray like that and to live like that. So I want to just invite you to stand. And, and ask God to show you what it means to be on mission in the world that you live in, the same mission as the one who can do anything. And ask him what you need to be doing and how he can help you do it. So Father, we come to you, um, I, I guess saddened that this isn't it, Like, there's an ache in my heart because this isn't it. This isn't the goal. This isn't heaven. This isn't the moment yet where you intervene and wipe away all of our tears and prove yourself and do the miraculous. We're not there yet. And we want to be there. But until we get there, we turn to you, the God of angel armies, the God of heaven and earth, and we pray that you would show us where we can engage with your authority how we can bring heaven how we can bring your presence into the lives of 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 those around us and we trust you we trust your mission you know more than us you see more than us and we yield our hearts to that mission and we trust you to protect us in the meantime. In Jesus' name, amen.